Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ABZ Show, where today we are hosting someone who I've worked with, started a business with, and a good friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce Richard Ritchie. Hey, Richard. Thank you, Abe. How you doing, brother? I'm good, bro. I'm good. And how's everything with you? Yeah, good. Well, you know what? That's a, that that question is uh, a pertinent question. You, you ask anyone in business these days how they're doing, everyone's like, "Yeah, doing fine, doing fine." But is everyone doing fine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I'll be honest, business is tough right now. Yeah, it is. It, it is very, very difficult. I can tell you on uh, on both an investor side and a personal, you know, on a personal mm. side, that's it's you know when we used to complain about things. Uh, yeah. No, those were the good old, the good old days, right? So, so Richard, tell me, uh, tell me more about you. Tell me more about your journey, and then tell me what you're doing now. Look, I've I've spent all my life uh, in sales or sales leadership to some extent. Um, I've like the first job I had when I left university, for example, I was knocking on doors, changing people from one gas company to another. I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. Um, it, it was a tough gig. Um, some days you'd say it was character building, other days you'd say it was soul destroying. <laughs> but but yeah, so it started door to door. I've 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 um, I've worked in telesales, worked in field sales. Um, I've I've run, uh, I built teams, scaled organisations, uh, and now I, I run a recruitment organisation here in the UAE that is primarily focused on sales and sales leadership. That's my bread and butter, right? That's what I know. I, I'm able to, I guess, vet candidates uh, in a way that a lot of other people can't. I mean, you and I both know from when we used to work together a while back, um, I would be often pulled into um, to interviews for senior uh, hires that weren't even in sales, uh, where they were in different functions. And then the reason that was because, yeah, I can I can sniff the, the BS, let's say, um, and, and I can, yeah, I can qualify people in, in a way. Um, and I guess that's probably because of my sales background, right? Yeah, funny enough, um, my first job ever uh, in university was a door-to-door knife salesman. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my kitchen sets and it was um, definitely soul destroying. <laughs> definitely soul destroying. So uh, uh, you know, you know the 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 term "release the hounds" is something yeah. that I've uh, <laughs> actually experienced. So uh, that was not a fun little experience. But nice. interesting enough, so, you know, let's talk more about uh, your company, your recruitment uh, agency yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, mm. you know, you started uh, your business in COVID and how are you seeing people, you know, uh, react to your business, especially you're in recruitment. And this is something mm. that is, you know, the first thing that people obviously slashed were recruiting, uh, recruiters in general, and then hiring. And they were just trying to see, maintain how they can keep people employed. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So how are you seeing that right now? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a good question, actually, because like I said earlier on, the, mar- the market is 100% tough right now. Um, but I think it's been, COVID to some extent has been fortunate for us because it's, it's, made, it's changed our strategy to some extent. Um, and let me put it this way. When I started the business towards the end of 2019, it would have been very easy to have fallen into the um, the kind of typical recruitment model that exists here within the UAE, and that is very transactional. Just you know, send me a job description, I'll send you some roles, 
that's essentially what a lot of recruitment companies here do and they charge like eight to ten percent which is ridiculous it's, it's basically just commoditize the industry anyway so what we've had to do um is because of the 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 dry up of roles if you like over the last 18 months um is invest time building relationships with organizations long before they ever need our services um so obviously part of that is getting on the phone and calling people another part of that is you know adding value uh, way ahead of um when there's a commercial arrangement in place value we're doing you know we're creating webinars uh, that with content specific to the industry that we're that we're approaching uh offering value like salary surveys creating white papers writing reports all 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 different things i was on the phone with a client or prospective client rather earlier today i've been talking to them for nine months they're excited to do business with us um in the next few weeks because their headcount is now opening back up um but if I hadn't, if COVID hadn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have nurtured that relationship in the way that I had. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because it's been a financially a tough period, but I think it's enabled us to lay the foundations in a way that will ensure when things do pick up, we're, we're well-placed to, to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And in saying that, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> um, no that's um you know i think that's um i think a lot of companies and a lot of founders and a lot of you know managers um mm. you know use that time to build those relationships and you know build that rapport with either either yeah. employees or their clients or nurturing a pipeline um i know mm. we went through that like at start a boot camp and rainmaking as well uh, yeah. where we were talking to people checking up on them finding exactly mm. more it was just uh, I, you know, I, I loved what you say that it was more of like a assembly line worth of here's the JD, here's some candidates, you know, let's do yeah. some business. Well, now it's, you know what I mean? Like, tell me what is your vision? Where do you want to grow? Uh, let's work together, yeah. achieving that. Um, you know, like I'm doing, I'm the head of talent as well in the organization yeah. I'm working with. And obviously, you know, when you're dealing with humans, it's not there's no formula or a template, right? So it's all about building the relationship to find out how, you know, what areas that that person needs development on. And, and the same thing with mm. the strategy, you know what I mean? Like you can't just say, yeah. I want X amount of millions end of the year. Or I can't, I want to be 20% yeah. profitable. No, the, the, you know, there needs to be, and you know, and with strategy comes people. There needs to be a degree of flexibility there as well, right? Because when things like the COVID happen, it derails you everybody gets derailed to some extent you know i agree and and setting expectations is another major thing mm. i think a lot of people um you know a lot of industries suffered obviously tremendously i know some of them did grow like the e-commerce mm. business and but there was a lot of businesses that you know came to a halt you know hotels tourism all that so yeah, for sure so you know in saying that like um you know i'm gonna ask you like a, a future question where do you see, you know, the trends? Where do you see, you know, with you, like, what are you working with that you're thinking that this is an industry that might, you know, drastically scale? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, what industries are you you think that are going into the abyss? Sure, look, look, look I can tell you that from a strategic standpoint, the areas we've decided to focus on uh, and we're kind of um, double downing on that this year, uh, cybersecurity, 
um, cloud managed services uh, and AI. There are three focus areas. Uh, and then the companies that uh, um, that service clients in those industries, right? So either provide cybersecurity services and solutions um, or provide um, like a dig digital transformation um, services like moving to the cloud, um, uh, managing infrastructure that way as well. So, so they're, they're those companies within our niche, um, we're looking to provide talent for these guys because those are those who've identified as um, as growth markets. But uh, yeah, everything we now do is is focused entirely on on serving that market. And I would I would actually add uh, to that as well is because. Uh, a lot of response have been on an entrepreneurship level uh, and yeah. an ecosystem level, been tackling uh, the AI, the cybersecurity ones, the cloud, because um, yeah. know, people want to go to a, an environment where everything is hosted on the cloud and cybersecurity mm. is because you keep in mind that a lot of people in COVID who are, who are not that internet savvy yeah. suddenly had to, you know, do everything online from you know, work mm. or even grocery shopping, right? So, and, and that to some extent has uh, stalled some companies. Uh, you know, they're nervous to digitally transform because the cybersecurity is, is a minefield, right? There's so much of it. And everyone claims to have the best service or best solution uh, in the market. But how do you know that, right? So, that's one of the things we're, we're looking to do at the moment. We're looking to not so much help people decide which cybersecurity vendors to work with because the vendors are actually our our prospective clients. Uh, we're looking to help uh, vendors uh, um, and service providers m reach their market. But also, for example, we, we did a webinar just last week on, um, it was entitled uh, Cyber Speak for the Non-Geek. And it was essentially looking to translate, you know, because if you're, if you're in the risk, if you're a vendor, you're talking to people who could buy your product or services. If you're talking too technical, they don't, really understand and it's very easy for them to be an intim intimidated and an intimidated client is not a client no. <laughs> they will not buy from you it'll be too confused yeah no i agree i agree and i remember you had a very smart guest talk about digital transformation i know i'm talking about myself uh on your on your podcast yeah, well, that, 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 yeah. that episode <laughs> and, and i think we're gonna put the link in the in the in, the, in this uh video as well so yeah for sure come back to so and we talked about yeah. we talked about this uh, the whole uh, how can people get to change their mindset and what's the pillars of digital mm. transformation because um, I gotta be yeah. honest with you, yeah a lot of the you know uh, yeah, a lot of people had to pause through COVID and start thinking about things that they were nice to have you know like digital mm. transformation like a lot of these big businesses you know, have a website that is like a page that's been designed from the stone age and they don't do anything, but now they wanted, now they had to move a lot of things digital, right? So, you know, how do yeah. you go from that mentality to this one? And this was something that was very um, addressed in uh, in many webinars and including the one you did. Yeah. You know, I was speaking to like government entities and stuff like that. They say, oh, mm. we're losing a lot of businesses. Uh, I think- yeah. A lot of businesses that close down, and again, I'm not, I'm generalizing guys, please don't destroy us in the comments. Um, but a lot of them were like run off of a one contract, you know, like a, a business was formed over a relationship over one contract. Um, yeah. And then that contract had to pause or whatever. And obviously there's nothing else to do and people are not gonna, um, you know, yeah. have to, you know, there's no sinking or swimming there. Well, you know, mm -hmm. the reason why you have a, 
uh, build a business is because you have a variety of customers and you have you diversify yeah. your income. You don't depend. You don't put your eggs in one basket, right? So, like you say, it's good, it's good to start a business in that way because it gives you that kind of um, launch partner, if you like. But then beyond that, where do you go? It's just like it's just like launching any business. You know, you maybe tap up your family and friends for for maybe finance in the early days or maybe to buy your product or service initially, but it only becomes real when you can go beyond them, right? When someone other than the people in your street are buying from you, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, so let me address the elephant in the room because both of us, we used to be divisors and we worked for Divisor. Yeah. And, you know, can I ask you uh, like what like major great learnings did you learn from Divisor? Because I know I, you know, I only did three years at Divisor, but I know you were there, like you were a pillar of... Uh, yeah, I was there for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And, and we saw some insane growth. Keep in mind, mm. my relationship with Divisor was started four years before I even started at Divisor. I was on a vendor that yeah. met a lot of people. So I, I've been super close for seven years in and out. Like, what was the key golden learnings there? Um, it's such a great interest because this is ultimately what a lot of what I teach uh, the cohorts with you at um, Startup Bootcamp, right? Because having lived through a startup, like I, I was employee number 15, uh, I left and we were about 200 in Dubrizzo, about um, I think 5,000 globally as part of uh, OLX. Um, so, so I got to see the, the evolution, if you like, of a, of a very young company to, to, a, to a global powerhouse. Um, and there are, there are decisions you make as a, as a founder in the early days of a business just to get it moving from a, and, I, and I'm specifically now talking about the commercial part of the operation, right? So from a, from a business development perspective, uh, then you know, the way you mobilize your teams, let's say, commission plans, payment structures, contracts with clients, all these things, right? Um, and there, there may well come a time when this thing has to be completely overhauled um, in order to allow your business to grow more sustainably. And that's one of the projects, when I first moved into my director position at the Rizzle, uh, yeah, a sales transformation project was the first project uh, I took on uh, because before then no one was given responsibility over the sales function. Everyone was in the trenches fighting, you know, hand to mouth, month to month. No one was thinking strategically about um, how, how we can operate. Um, so that was a super interesting project. Um, like I said, a lot of stuff had to be kind of undone um, and, and rebuilt. Um, and that's a lot of what I talk about on the sales and startup programs that I, that I do for you guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Um, I would echo that 100% because if you told me what did I learn personally from uh, or what great things I've learned, uh, one of yeah. the few things that I can tell you about is definitely this long-term strategic vision. How do you get there? Uh, mm. And... Number two was, you know, the appetite for failure. It's an emotional roller coaster as a business owner, right? Especially in the early days. Uh, and I was having one of my days where I was feeling a little bit negative. And, and um, so she was, um, yeah, just playing the other role and bringing me back up. And she was explaining that, look, all the hard work you put into, all the relationships that we formed already, the conversations you're now having with companies, we're now having rather. Um, look, when the bubble bursts, we're going to be covered in work. <laughs> we probably won't be able to handle that much uh, which would be a good problem to have right yeah. uh, but it's just you know being tenacious in your approach and staying true to the course uh, and you know as long as you're as long as you're doing the right things and you've there's a strategy behind what you're doing it'll come right 
No, I, I, I 100% agree. Like, I think what people need to understand is, is not only focus, but you need to stick to it, even if it's, uh, it's still not solidified, but you need to stick to the ideas because, you know, especially, yeah. especially you go sit down and talk to decision makers and everybody mm. is going to try to talk you into doing something else for them. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know about that. Either. It's quite interesting. Well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea, and it's very easy. Uh, I, I can be, I can be taken, of course, very easy in those conversations. But which is, which is why, for me, it's been super important to have brought other people on board to the business at, at a board level because I've got someone to to keep me in check to some extent. Um, you know, and and that really kind of helps because. If you're just on your own, and you know, we discussed this before at the boot camp. You know, when you guys are looking to invest in companies, it's it's exponentially more risky to invest in the company where there's just one founder because there's no one to no no one to sense check any ideas, right? Yeah, and uh, exactly. And uh, um, I'm going to ask you, um, uh, yeah. what is your BHAG or what is your recruitment agency's BHAG? Can can you give us? Can you shed some more light on that? Yeah, sure. It's to, to, to be truly global, right? Um, to be a global IT sales recruitment organization. So anyone that works in sales, sales leadership in the IT industry. So IT for me, just to be clear, spans actually six industries. So the IT channel, I'm specifically talking about that. That spans IT and services, computer software, computer network security, computer networking, internet and telecoms. Um, so anyone in a commercial role within these industries globally, should know who we are so either they're users to recruit or they come to us if they're looking for a job nice nice and so out of curiosity how do you like how do you feed the pipeline with candidates from a candidate perspective look we've 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 kind of mapped the market in its entirety to some extent so certainly in this region as far as commercial uh roles go and, and just just to clarify what that means is um you know we we know how many people uh, are occupy certain positions, uh, and the, the key thing here is again in this particular region, job titles are fairly uh, fluid or loose. Should we say, you know, a sales manager in one company does something completely different to a sales manager in another. In another. Um, so we focus more on um, kind of skill sets and, and responsibility levels rather than just job titles. Uh, let's say. Uh, but the key thing, I think, for us, because of what we do with our engagements for both candidates and clients, um, not only do we have the market mapped, and we have, about, I think it's 87.2% uh, of the market in uh, our database, we've got a response rate of just over 92%, which is key. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can pick up the phone or drop an email and they'll get back to us. Uh, and, and that's what you need, right? It's pointless having a database of 100,000 people if no one picks up, if no one answers your call. It's, it's just not valuable at all, right? You know, your points are very valid. Uh, and, you know, people are always looking for better opportunities. And I promised uh, everybody, and I, and I promised you that I'm going to ask you this curveball question. So if you had any superpower, what would that be? Or if mm. you want to mimic a superhero, who would that be? There's a curveball question. Superpowers. Um... Well, when I was a kid, I was always trying to move things with my mind. <laughs> I did like the idea of telekinesis, the telekinetic powers. That's actually pretty cool. Um, but the thing is, now, now I think of a thing, so I think, how can I make something commercially viable? <laughs> so you're the salesman, so, eh? Salesman! Yeah, like, salesman! <laughs> super, 
Super salesman. <laughs> Super salesman, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd, I'd want to be able to jump in and out of the future very quickly, so I could see um, when Bitcoin is going to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, the 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 last time it crashed, um, mm. I think I was in an elevator with my brother uh, in Dubai, and yeah, I I kid you not, uh, mm. like two. I'd like to say senior citizens were asking and asking about what is the price of Bitcoin. And I looked at my book <laughs> and I said, we need to sell now. You know what I mean? Because, because <laughs> if, you know, like, and, they, and these people yeah. really came from the beach and like, so they're not in, yeah. you know, that whole idea of yeah. you know, investing in Bitcoin. And I actually yeah. do have a Bitcoin story for you that I want to tell even my audience. Sure. Um, yeah. so I, I, in 2010, um, or I think, I can't remember what exact date, I went to um, uh, a cryptocurrency at that time called Alternative Money or Alternative uh, Currency okay. or something. Um, it was here in Dubai. It was in a, in a hotel. And mm-hmm. they, you know, at that time I was an entrepreneur. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're poor. So they invited me to this. I'm like, you know what? I'll go see what they're talking about and get a free meal. Yeah, why not? And like I, I think at that time, Bitcoin was $10 or something like that or $11. Yeah, okay. And uh, they said, wow. you know, uh, just because you signed up and you came up, everybody gets two free Bitcoins. So <laughs> so there's a guy on our table who really believed in this. And you know what I mean? And now apparently he's laughing. Yeah. And he's like, guys, listen, um, uh, I have coupons for, uh, I can't, I'm not going to say the name of the pizza place in Dubai, a famous pizza place for two free large pizzas. If you give me your Bitcoins and I'm like two free bit two, you know, I'm like, I just got a meal. I'm getting another meal for free. And this is something that I don't even know what they're talking about. I'm like, here, so I gave him two Bitcoin. And then, you know, the first time it went up to like 21, 20 K. I, I remember yeah. when I looked at my brother, I'm like, that was a good $40,000 pizza that we had. Anything else you want so to say before jumping, we wrap? Jumping in and out of the future, I think is that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the superpower. Nice, nice, nice. Anything else? Um, I don't know, but there was something you and I were talking about the other week, and that was like, uh, I guess, advice to other people that are um, looking at becoming entrepreneurs or, or um, yeah, looking at, looking at starting their own business, right? And you, you, you were mentioning what do you think are the kind of traits uh, of, of an entrepreneur? And I think, look, I think that is obviously worth talking about. For me, the first one, we've already kind of touched on it. One is in an ability to plan um, without procrastinating, uh, which I struggle with to some extent, I'll be honest. Because um, obviously you can plan and plan and plan and plan and plan. But the reality is you can't wait till all the lights are green before you leave the house. Right? There's got to be some point at which you get started. But you need a plan to execute. So doing that, I think is, uh, is key. Uh, second, and this really comes from one of the values of our business, actually, uh, to be action oriented, but that's have a, you know, a, a tenacious mindset, you know, be you know, persisting in excellence. Don't be easily dispelled, right? You've got a, you've got a, a goal, go for it. And, and don't let anybody get in your way. Right. No. Uh, and then, then finally for me uh, is, be willing to pick up the phone uh, and that I mean many there can be many situations as an entrepreneur where you need to pick up the phone right that can be to pick up the phone to ask for help 
guidance from, from a peer, a mentor, um, a family member. You may need to ask for money at times uh, you, and you'll certainly need to ask for sales, right? Um, so you've got to be willing to pick up the phone. If you're not, that's going to certainly hinder your progress. I agree. I that's agree. It. And I think uh, that asking part, I think people struggle with the ask. Even even yeah. asking for a contact to call or opening a door. Yeah. Some people really struggle with that. You know what I mean? And I keep telling people, what's the worst mm. thing to happen? They say, no, you move on. Right. So, well, you heard it here. We have a hashtag called Real Talk No Nonsense. Please follow us there. Richie, thank you very much for your time. Uh, until, yes, until next time we, we speak, just keep it on your mind. Where is my money? In all cases, thank you very much, everybody. Take care to the next time. See you, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.